Welcome to From Caving In to Crushing It, the podcast for those who find themselves immersed in adversity and choose to write their story instead of having others write it for them. I'm Drew Duraney, and I'm your host. Hey, Anka. How are you? I'm very well. Delighted to be here. Um, I'm excited to have you. Um, you know, we've known each other for for a while now. I think I think we've hit almost a year now. And um, and, uh, you know, we've got a chance to talk about a lot of different things. And um, you've got an amazing story. And uh, I know you're and you're a wonderful storyteller. And I know you've gone through a lot. Uh, I, I'd like you to just just tell tell us how you got to where you are uh, and and emphasizing that it's not a linear road you traveled. And, and you know, and, and I'm really intrigued about you're an amazing person, and I want to know how you got to how you got to be who you are. Oh, yeah, that's a bit of a loaded question. Right. <laughs> um, it can start well. I was born and I was in diapers, and start yeah, wherever kind of, you'd like. Yeah, I think there's one. I kind of don't want to really go oh, that far back, but there is one thing that I think. I always find it's worth mentioning that I actually grew up in East Germany, but okay. behind the wall, right. Right? right? And it doesn't, it's not something that has anything to do with my life today, but it has shaped the way I see the world. Okay. Because right. when you grow up in a tiny country with no way out, mm-hmm. you know, or like not even allowed to travel or to, you know, to do anything beyond those little you know, borders, at the same time, I always thought that felt like a, you know, you know, when you, when you have like a parrot in the tiny cage, yeah. where you have the bars of the cage are far enough apart so you can see what's on the outside, mm-hmm. you know, because here yeah. we had West Germany right there, we could, we could listen to Radio Luxembourg, like, and we could watch West German TV, right. so we knew what was outside, but the cage was so small that you always felt, I always felt I couldn't spread my wings. Yes. You know, so it was really frustrating really early on, right? So to the point that when in the 80s, things loosened up a little bit, like you wouldn't be kind of <laughs> shot and thrown in the dungeon immediately. So that I basically said, I need out. Okay. I don't want to live my life on that little autopilot machinery you know right. you go through the thing and go through the motions all on that predefined little way where it's kind of safe but also you feel you're just cruising slowly towards death with nothing in between yes and i never wanted that right so i basically made the moves i needed to make that's a story for another day to mm-hmm. get out of east germany before the wall came down and about two and a half years later I get a letter and it says, so you no longer welcome here. You're on train XYZ on the 10th of February, 1989. You know, before you can go, we need you to get approval from all these different places. And then you can take whatever suitcase you can carry. And then you're going to leave the country and you won't come back. Wait, so explain that to me. How can, so they... how, why would that letter come to you? What what triggered that? It triggered that I basically handed in a letter two and a half or yeah, almost three years earlier saying, uh-huh. 
I want to leave the country. And oh, the response yeah. at the time was like, well, there's no legal basis for that. That's not a thing. <laughs> you know, but well. So you couldn't just internally, leave. You, you guys oh, had, no. in order to no. want to leave, you had to Look, submit for approval? Well, you had three options. One was to sort of try and physically cross the border. Right. Which meant you, well, you might, if somebody sees you, you get shot. You might get killed. Like, yeah. right. Shot to kill. And or you could go and try and get out if you had like a close relative, you know, okay. if you had a if you had a if you had a sister who mm -hmm. happened to live in West Germany and had a round birthday, you right. could apply to visit for a few days and then not come back, yeah, which come means back. Okay. You know, so you're out, then you don't come back, but then that's the thing. You can't take anything, like literally, like, you know. But then also, I never have that relative out there that would allow me to travel, right? Sometimes you would, if you look up in history, there's a lot of athletes, artists who yeah. somehow, you know, who went to international championships and mm. never came back. Never Lots of that. Cubans yep. done ran that. off like that. Lots of Russians who went to international competitions and then just kind of like disappeared and never came back yeah. so i never had that chance because i never <laughs> went to an international competition yeah. because yeah. you're only like look you were you weren't even if you had any relation like relatives remotely you never make it to the international team in whatever sports you do like you know this was like you know like that was pretty controlled. Oh my god! Who would ever oh get, you know, all you do, yeah. what I did was like, okay, you just sort of hand in some paper mm -hmm. and say, well, look, I want to travel. I want to do this. And they go, go away. That's not a thing. Mm -hmm. Right. But internally, all of a sudden, like you were no longer welcome in there. Some people waited for 10 years. Whoa. Some people waited for five. Some okay. people didn't even remember that they applied and all of a sudden. Right. So it was just in the 80s. It almost picked up momentum that more and more people and sort of, you know, two to three or four years mm -hmm. of waiting when you where you didn't know if you ever get out and when you'd get out. So right. you couldn't really plan anything. So you'd kind of broke, burned your bridges in the country without having a ticket to get out. So that was that limbo. Right. That was yeah, the price to pay to get you out. Yeah. You know, so when you that got that like, letter, tell me how you yeah, felt when you got that letter. Excited. Yeah. Excited. Yeah excited yeah. like literally excited because all i could see was like oh this freedom on the other end of that page gosh i can't imagine that feeling right yeah and it didn't even dawn on me like until much later that it also meant that oh anybody i've ever known in my life except my grandparents because you know when they have like people who no longer needed to work or to yeah. kind of like but I had to pay the pension oh yeah right. you can go and not come back <laughs> you know yeah. so so grandparents would have maybe maybe allowed to to come and visit but anybody else mm -hmm. it was like that was a one-way ticket wow. into who knows what yes right exactly. and all I could see was the opportunity yeah right mm -hmm. and the reason I still find, like, I read the reason I find that so relevant to how I live my life was mm -hmm. because at that time, at like 23 years old, I got to see that most of the things that people like shy away from 
that's not a one-way ticket. Mm. You know, for me, it's like, what's the big deal? <laughs> like, you know, I've experienced yes, what a real one-way ticket is. Yes, you did. Right? And so I compare anything, you know, moving to a different country, changing careers, starting a business, mm -hmm. you know, any of those things where people go, oh, my God, I don't know. I'm like, no big deal, right? If I don't like it, I can go back. Or I can do something else. There's yeah. nothing at stake here. Right. You know. I, I'll tell you that just that story. I could see how that shaped at least. I mean, the, the Anka I know, and the advice mm -hmm. you've given me, and 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 very helpfully, I mind you. I can understand how that your perspective now could could have been shaped by mm -hmm. that entire experience. So thank you so much for sharing that. So now you're 23, you're out, and what did you do? Well, I thought, okay, I never got to finish university because after all, in East Germany, you're not really welcome to study at state expense when you've made clear that you don't want to stay there. Mm -hmm. So I had like a half-finished, half-started university degree that I wanted to finish because, you know, Germany is not one of those countries where you – it's not very entrepreneurial. Mm. It's very much like you need your piece of paper to be anybody. Yeah. So I went to the university that accepted quite a bit of what I'd already done. And I finished uni. Where you know, was this? Basically, what, what country? I went, uh, well, that was in West Germany. In West, I see, oh, I see. You started yeah. out in West Germany. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I finished uni there, got my first job. And, you know, two years into that, I got the opportunity to move to Australia. Well, wow. yeah, you know, I met an Australian. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, There's your opportunity, like, right, right. Yes, right. that was, you know, but that was also one of those things. People go, oh my God, moving to Australia so far away. For me, it was like, oh my God, Australia's on the bucket list. Yep. And what's, you know, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is that I don't like it there. And then I can come back. It's yeah. not a one-way ticket. There you go. Right, absolutely. You know, no big deal. Yeah. You know, and that's why I went. And that's why a lot of, you know, and I stumbled into the software development industry there. Okay. You know, because I found that a job as a translator, which was the career I'd studied, mm -hmm. you know, that wasn't really the kind of work that was read, neither readily available and worse really badly paid yeah so i knew pretty quickly that i wasn't gonna last in that industry right. and you know i stumbled into software until and i was like a little i was really intimidated by it initially okay. thinking like oh my god i'm way too old to get into this and i'm not that technical i'm a language girl right and so there was all this and that do i want to work in a whole all male dominated right. industry like, you male. know all that yeah. stuff yep. mm -hmm. and Fortunately, Australia is incredibly entrepreneurial. There was lots of encouragement. And people kind of like, you know, don't just do the exam. And I'm like, you know, let me just do the exam and see what happens. Let's yeah. just see what happens. And, um, and one day it dawned on me. I was like, wait, programming language? It's got vocabulary and it's tiny. Go. Yeah, it's you know, it's got structure. <laughs> you know, exactly. Yeah. It's got structure. So it's got like a grammar, but it's nice and rigid. Right. So right. it's basically like it's like a real language, just simpler. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's when I go, ooh, I know how to learn languages. Right. Yep. So and that was like, you know, didn't mean that I was any good at programming the day after, but I knew how to make this mine. 
okay. you know, and the part that the part that I was worried about, be like, oh, but I don't have a technical background, turned out to be the superpower. Interesting. You know, because Why is that? I was because I was the person clients would want to talk to because they wouldn't feel stupid with I me. I see. Yeah. Yeah, right so i was the one who could dig out of them mm -hmm. what it is they really needed absolutely right you know and you might find that kind of familiar people come oh i want a page with a button that says x and i'd go wait 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 what are we actually doing here you know mm -hmm. how does this process work and it's kind of exactly what i do now you know just with different clients and different projects but that digging in what is it that you're really trying to achieve so that we can take that and translate that into the structure and the systems and the tools to make that happen in an easier way. So clients love talking to me because I wouldn't, I would talk to them like a real person and not make them feel stupid. Absolutely. You know, whereas like on the tech front, they were kind of happy they didn't have to deal with <laughs> clients who couldn't express what they wanted, right? Yeah. So it's that piece in the middle. Yeah. you know that was incredible that was like the golden ticket absolutely you know and that was yeah that that was surprising yeah but um well i remember you you taught me that it's not the 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 initial thing is not is i think almost never the the thing right so because because we yeah. as as consumers we don't know what we don't know so we exactly. just think we know what's bugging us you're able to um, put that aside and and get down to the, the the root cause of what needs to be addressed. Um, and I think most of us will just take the customer at face value and start working on the thing that they say is yes. the issue, and then they wonder why it's not working. Absolutely, spot mm -hmm. on. That's exactly what happens a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. even in big software projects, like it's not <laughs> you know it's like it happens everywhere because nobody really does that translation bit. That is true. So how long did you stay in the tech, just the software industry before you ventured out to other stuff? 10, 15 years. It was? Okay. So it was that long. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I loved it. You did? Okay. <laughs> but, you that yeah, I totally it. loved it. Yeah. Then why'd you leave? Well, you know, there's a time for, it's like, I think I also have this thing. It's like, I can sort of see where my ship's going. Mm -hmm. And when I kind of don't like where this is headed, 10 yeah. years down from now, I change tech now, Yes. right? So, and I've done that several times. And with right. the software industry, I saw, like I was in my late 30s when I saw, hey, hmm, don't like where this is going. Okay. Like several things. There was one was that the entire software industry was shifting towards, oh, programming must outsource to India, mm. right? So, yes. and all of the projects that the kind of projects that I love working on, now the proposition was like, okay, you get to manage the project and you get to kind of work with an Indian outsource company. So I basically was going to sit there um, struggling with milestones and deadlines, you know, mm -hmm. all the stuff I don't enjoy doing, right, right. and then watch other people mess up a project I would have loved to do. Right? Yes. <laughs> so it was like, uh -huh. you know, does not sound like yeah, fun. Absolutely. On top of it, it was like, well, if now a project ends, and I was contracting, you know, I was freelancing, mm -hmm. so and I was right. 
uh, sort of fairly early on, right? Because it right. was also booming that industry. Why would you tie yourself down with a permanent job? Absolutely. So the, there was also that moment where it was like, well, now if a project finishes, I pick up the phone and call a few friends and I have a new project tomorrow. Right. Right. 10 years from now, I don't want to send out programmers' resumes at 50 mm -hmm. and have some 25-year-old kid no. wondering what this grandma wants here, you know, when it's really <laughs> difficult yeah. to find to find another project. And I don't want to sit there nervous about every like about any restructuring kind of thing. Yeah. You know, to kind of wonder whether I still have a job tomorrow. And then knowing that I'm going to struggle finding a new one, it's like. I, I want to be at the helm of my ship. Absolutely. Very I literally start I threw my career in the in the bin because I wanted more job security. Good for you. Good for you. You, you noticed know. you recognized it early. Yeah. So what did you, yeah. what did you end up doing? Well, <laughs> you know, why why easy if you can have it exciting? Oh, uh, I ended up I'd learned some Spanish. You know, right. just for the fun of it, for right. a bucket list trip to Peru. And I thought, right. oh, so I took trips to Spain all the time just to kind of practice my Spanish and really fell in love with the place. And I was like, oh, and I remember myself walking, you know, through the historic part of town of Granada and thinking, right. oh, my God, I hate the idea of having to go back to London. Uh -huh. What if I could live in one of those little whitewashed houses? Ah. You know, and there was this idea, and I remember going back to London, and I'm sort of sitting there. Well, I was actually cutting a roughly flowery summer dress on my dining room table okay. with some flamenco music playing in the back, thinking, "Hmm." So now let's just play with that idea. Like, if I was <laughs> really to move to Spain, okay, you know, because the thing is that come that was at the same time where I was thinking, "Hmm." I don't like where the software industry is going. Right. Right. So what if I was to move to Spain? What would I do? Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, okay. So now let's just like take another step back. Like what would I do if I didn't have to worry about money, language skills, paperwork, time? What if I didn't have to worry about anything? What would I do? Right. And I'm like, hmm. Huh. I've got a very fancy, roughly polka dot dress on my cutting table. Oh, I'd love to have a little creative sewing studio where I would make, you know, I was never interested in the fashion industry. What I wanted right. to have, like, made to measure, you know. And because the thing is, the process, it's exactly the same process as building custom software. See, that this is where this is intriguing me. Because, you know, if you think about our brains, you got the IT stuff on one side, right? The, the, the one side of your brain. And now the creative artistic piece on the other. You're showing an alignment between the two in the sense of the process is yes. identical. And that that's pretty powerful. So now it's Australia, London, Spain, no more software. <laughs> now it's flamenco dresses. I want to hear this one. All right. Yeah. So that was basically, it was really funny because like a lot of time, oh my God, how can you do something so radically different? And yeah. I'm like, look, in my mind, it's all the same. Yes, it was not radically because different yeah. Not at all, right? And actually, in the process of that, I got to see that even building a business is exactly the same process. Okay. It's the very same creative process that we always go through okay. to take any idea 
to reality. Like it's always the same process. And the better you know that, <laughs> you know, the less likely you are, you know, to run after some silly proven success. No, that's that's that great. That's great advice. That's great advice because most entrepreneurs don't see that it's mm -hmm. the same. It, you can be in any industry. It's the same. And mm -hmm. uh, I commend you for that, knowing that early on, because uh, you're helping a lot of us not, re you know, reinvent the wheel. So. Yeah, and recognizing that it does require some experimentation. So mm -hmm. you're not chasing security where there isn't any. Right, right. And you're right? embracing so, failure because you learn from failure, right? Yeah. I say, like, in my world, failure, it's, like, it doesn't even exist. Okay, good. You know, because yeah. in my world, it's like anything you put together, and that's like when you build software. It's the same when you make, when you design a dress, you have an idea and then you kind of put something together and you try it out and you go, Ooh, that's not quite the way I thought. Like, let's adjust. And the same when you build a business, you come out with an idea and then you get feedback from clients. You go, Oh, that's not really what I thought it would be. Well, let's take that information, adjust and plan the next experiment. So you, every piece, yeah. every result you get is feedback from an experiment like you don't do an experiment and you get disappointed if the mouse runs in one direction rather than the other it's just like oh isn't that interesting hmm, not quite what i thought would happen right Monica, would it be safe to say the word failure is not even in your vocabulary failure is no. feedback for you that's the f word yeah feedback. that's it yes i love it yep, totally. absolutely totally okay yeah, totally okay. and it's it's because that's the thing What's failure? I actually, I didn't read on that, but like, yeah. it's failure just means when you feel you fail, it just means you've chosen an unfortunate spot to stop and draw a conclusion. Right. And you're, yeah, you're drawing your own conclusion that it's failure. It's yeah. you. And you, but you can just keep going because the same yeah. thing probably will look quite different. Mm -hmm. After the next round of experiments, you Absolutely. might find, usually you find, well, actually this thing, not quite going to plan, has now opened up something else, or it's taught me something that's led me to here. So usually, mm -hmm. looking back later, you recognize the gift in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So and that I means just don't draw a conclusion, right? Absolutely. Just use it mm -hmm. as, as the basis for the next step for the next experiment fantastic okay so they started doing the dresses I, I i've heard some of these great stories tell me your favorite story about the flamenco dress <laughs> god, i got there's so many there's so many but but, <laughs> but i think that you know like literally in the context of what we just touched on uh -huh. right yeah it's the biggest failure in there has been the biggest gift yeah right because mm -hmm. what happened like my business plan was literally let's just see what happens yep uh yep that was it i downloaded a template for a business <laughs> plan you know but then i looked at it i'm like that's just a spreadsheet that requires me to make a bunch of stupid assumptions that make no sense at all <laughs> you know because like how can i how can i yep. you know forecast yep. revenue Absolutely. When I don't even know whether a Spanish flamenco dancer would even consider having a dress made from a hobby sewist from Germany. <laughs> you, know, like, 
you know, that's kind of like there is only one way to find out. There's no way to research anything. Right. You know, all the assumptions didn't make sense. I also I didn't I totally bootstrapped it, so I didn't need the business plan for any funding or anything. Right. right? right. So it was just like let's just see what I can find. Some poor sucker will buy a skirt I make. Like it was that was the business plan. Somehow I think now, we found some. Let's. <laughs> yes. So now the thing was the thing is that's also like. A, two-edged sword right i still to this day think this idea of oh this is funny let's just see what happens mm -hmm. is what made it possible right right because i had nothing on it it was literally like yeah i just want it out of my system that's true you i just want to see what happens yeah actually no. you, remo you removed all the limits that we yes. usually put on ourselves yeah yep. and i had no even i had nothing on this being successful right Right. I always say I fear regret way more than failure. Mm. I didn't care whether this worked out or not. Yeah. What I didn't want is get to 80 thinking, oh, I wonder what life in Spain would have been like. Mm -hmm. I wonder what having my own business would, would have been like. Absolutely. That's what yeah. I don't want. No, you don't want You know, it. I'd rather jump, give it a go, and then I'll decide, yeah, is this for me or isn't it? Yep. right so okay let's just see what happens mm -hmm. i still think it's what because i had no i wasn't like cautious i was just like this is exciting let's just <laughs> you know but at the same time yeah it also means that i wasn't strategic about anything right 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 so it was just like let's just see whether we can sell a skirt here and and then you got the first one and you got my call and then the, the objective was let's just get the second one and the third one. Mm -hmm. And so, and then before I knew it, I had built myself a very fast running, relentless mm -hmm. hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. Right? Oh, so, okay. All right. and the part, and that's where the whole, where the surprise came, right? Because yeah. when, if you had asked me at the beginning of this journey where I thought the challenges would be, you know, I would have said, oh, you know, I wonder whether I'm going to find a good fabric supplier, mm. you know, or yeah. whether I'm going to find the right machines or, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And um, what turned out to be <laughs> the biggest stumbling block was uh, being Mrs. Nice Girl. Oh, like okay. with yes right. as the default yes. answer. Yep. Default and, and, yes. Yeah. So, and I mean, again, there was a lot of like, I don't kind of beat myself up for it. It's like, oh boy, the innocence in it, yeah, right? Yeah, because absolutely. I had a sewing business. It was made to measure. It wasn't like a shop. You know, it was like a, a studio where people right. would come and say, hey, I want to dress and I want it like this. So it was a hybrid mm -hmm. between an artist studio and a shop kind of okay. thing. So, but okay. in my mind, it was still like, it didn't occur to me that I did not have to take on every project that was brought into my place. You were allowed to say I, no. You were yes, I did. No. But it wasn't even that I thought, oh, I don't want to. It's like it didn't even enter my world. I see. Okay. I thought when people came and wanted an outfit, it was my job to give it to them. Got it. Got it. Right. Yeah, and mindset. that's fine when you have two orders. That's yeah. not funny when you have 20 at the same no. time. No. Right. And yeah. everybody kind of. And then also, I sometimes think that like the universe sent me to Spain to learn the lesson because mm -hmm. people here culturally aren't very considerate. 
Really? And they don't care. Okay. You know, they they want their thing and they want it, they now, want it now and they don't care. And and you have to like a wishy washy wimp, you know, they walk all over it. All right. And they so, did. You, so you because of that, you conformed to what their expectations yeah. were. And you were because, a yes person because absolutely. You know, my mom used to say to me when I was 10, you know, like you're too nice. People take yeah. advantage of you. I didn't even feel it, right? Okay. But yeah. In any other country, in the UK, in Australia, you know, culturally, they consider it. They're not going to ask you anything unreasonable. Okay. Oh, Spanish clients will. Hell yeah. Okay. Right? right. So they will go and you go, so, oh, I'm really sick. Like, I've got like high fever. I'm feeling horrible. Like, oh, that, oh, I'm really sorry. Well, I need my dress tomorrow. Right. It's like, I will pay lip service to whatever's going on for you, but right. I will want my thing and I don't yeah. care how you do it right yeah. so even if i say oh i can't do it yeah yeah but i need it like they even Jeez. a gentle no they will walk straight walk over straight it over you okay right yeah. so i really struggled with that okay. because there i was right and we talked about that there i was thinking how can i be of service and nice and gentle and generous without being, without being walked walked over, over right yeah. Yeah. how can i set my boundaries mm -hmm. without turning into you know you can say it a tough bitch an asshole right so and i thought i don't yeah. want to be tough i don't yeah. want to be like yelling back and i don't want to be like that you know but i couldn't see how i could have both it didn't right. even occur to me yeah, and to saying no didn't see you know saying no didn't you know when i came to a point that i wish i could yeah i didn't think it was possible because you know Granada's a small place. The flamenco world's a small world. Everybody knows each other. Right. If I say no, no oh. to one, you know, she's going to get upset and mm. then she won't come back and right. she's going to talk about me and then her friends won't come back. And next thing I know, I'm going to be homeless in the street. So all these assumptions, you're forecasting mm. the future that probably never would happen. Well, that's the thing. And I didn't get to see that until I was so burned out yeah. that I was like, look, if this is what living the dream is, you can go have <laughs> a nightmare. I'm not living this. You yeah. know? Right, right. It was literally, yeah. it took me, and what it took, <laughs> I don't know whether I've told you the story, like what it took, it was like, it was always, you know, spring was crazy season. Like started in the middle of February and it went on with dance schools, 10 okay. dresses here, 15 dresses wow. there, 20 dresses there, yeah. you know, by that date. And right. the last performance was always the biggest school late last weekend in June, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And I remember that that year, 2012, it was. <laughs> mm -hmm. I ended up working through the last four days and three nights without sleeping. Wow like 20 minutes on the tiled floor next to the dog. Oh, so I wouldn't gosh. be too comfortable because I knew I wouldn't have woken up yeah, until yeah. after the performance. Right, right, right. So I was there like looking all anorexic, you know, like cold sores on both his hair no falling sleep, out. Red eyes. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah, like a mess. Emotionally, physically, like mm -hmm. this was it. And so I still have that photo when all the dresses are on stage, you know, like by, by a, like through a miracle I made it. And that still wasn't enough. If you look at that photo, I'm smiling with that sense of satisfaction. Of right? course, I got, I got it done. All that I all, right? killed myself, but I got it done. I know. And two days later, yeah. I hear that two of the dancers 
had gone on holiday without paying me. Oh, like that was when I was done with it. Yeah, it was like I was like one more dancer come near me and I'm gonna throttle them. <laughs> oh, really? Like, you know, like I was really like I hate all my clients, and that what I think it was again. It was like probably the the worst time I've ever had in my life, like physically, emotionally, I was so done with it all. But in hindsight, you know, well, depends on when you stop to draw a conclusion because I look back now and say like, this was the biggest gift because I needed that to no longer care about, oh, what if I say no, they will stay away. I no longer cared. If you had gotten paid by everybody before they went on holiday, you would have said, I got the job done. Let's keep doing it. You needed like the hit upside the head by two people not paying you and not respecting the work you did and the time you put in. Yep. It usually happens. We got to do that. Exactly. Right. So I, I was kind of masochistic enough to need it like that. I didn't get it before that. Right. Right. So then what did I do? I started like, okay, I'm done with you lot. I'm going to have a mental blacklist now. You pull one of these don't show up without notifying me, you know, saying, oh, it's easy, but that's no big deal. Like, okay, you know, like any one of those that peeved me off, I thought, I was just like, bring it on. I'm just You're waiting waiting for for that next one. Yes. I'm just waiting for you to pull one off and then you're going to be on my mental blacklist, which means I'm going to finish the dress I've got. Next time you want something, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be busy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This will be the last thing I ever make for you, right? Yeah. Now, the interesting thing is the very next time somebody came and go, oh, I don't have time to come for a fitting because, you know, her time's more valuable than mine. I need you to come to the theater on Sunday night, but don't bring the dog. I go, sorry, sweetheart, can't do that for the first time in my life, right? And she goes, oh, hmm, you know what? come pick it up on Monday. It actually works better anyway. There you go. And I'm like, wait, what? Wait, what? (laughs) It was like, that was such a moment where I was like, turns out she wasn't upset. Nope. She didn't talk to anybody else. No. She came back and I'm like, oh, you know, like such a humbling moment when you realize that whole pressure, it never came from them. No. Yep. You put the pressure on yourself. It was my assumption mm-hmm. that saying no meant unhappy customer. Yeah. And saying yes means happy customer. Yeah. No, and that was the moment where I got to see that that connection wasn't there. Nope. Nope. That there was no connection. Sometimes you say yes and they'll be happy. Sometimes you quite like way more often than I ever imagined. I say no, and people were grateful. Yeah, absolutely. Just you were honest you know? with them. Absolutely. And you said, and they said, yeah. oh, it's the, you know, you got to see it's actually the kindest thing you can say to someone, mm-hmm. right? Because she says, oh, at least, well, thank you, because at least now I have time to find another option. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And I was, and that was like so the biggest turnaround because then it's like, okay, so if saying yes does not bring me happy clients, if saying no does not turn off clients, I might as well say yes when I want to say yes and say no when I want to say no. That's the lesson. That's absolutely. Yeah. So which turned my experience of that whole business around, Mm -hmm. you know, and and 
basically nothing else happened other than I had a much better time, right? Absolutely. And it was the, it was that lesson that led yeah. me to to do coach training and to you know to go on because I thought I can't be the only person who's gone out, followed the dream, you know, tried to make something happen and realized that your biggest challenge doesn't come from where you think it will. Yeah, it's true. Right? It's your inner stuff that catches up with you and Absolutely. and the stuff that you can't eat that you don't even see coming. Yep. you know yeah. and that that's that's what had me change tack again and it was the same situation I thought, oh i don't want to be 60 and hammer out 50 dresses each summer. <laughs> no. right so yeah what are you doing now well so now i'm kind of back into the translation business right? in go. a sense you know yep. so it's kind of coming all together in the sense like i'm you know, there's a book by an Australian lady called Bronnie Ware, and the book's called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. Mm -hmm. And number one is not having gone for their dreams. Okay. Right. And I'm kind of on a mission to make sure that that's not you. Right. Yeah. So it's when somebody wants to create something mm -hmm. and, you know, bringing in my tech experience, like, okay, if you want to create something online, I help people from to take their idea and make it happen like you know that process in between fleshing out the idea sometimes it's narrowing it down sometimes it's changing the scope of it sometimes it's it's defining it differently and then going through that creative process to say no 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 you don't chase any silly proven success formula this is going to be a creative process that requires to do half a sequence of experiments we need right. an audience we need an offer and we need the systems to support all that. So, but basically, you know, I'm guiding people through that path. Like, the, you know, the jungle in their mind oh, I between know. the idea and I the, final, the final well, thing. Yeah, full, so, full yeah. disclosure, you are helping me in that whole journey. And it's mm. been exciting. So I thank you for that. Mm. You know, you and I could talk for like hours. Um, yes. I got two, two final <laughs> questions. All right. Mm -hmm. So you're sitting down with young seven to 10 year old Anka, and you would like to give her some advice about life. What are you gonna tell her? Go for it. Love it. Just go for it. All right, so now you put a different hat on, and now mm -hmm. it's your young Anka, the businesswoman, ready to go be that entrepreneur, and you wanna give her some advice on business. What are you gonna tell? her can i tell her shoe things <laughs> tell her whatever you'd like what are you going to tell her well the first thing i want to tell her is you might not believe me but no is a complete sentence oh, good yep absolutely and the other thing is you can be self-reliant it's a good thing to be self-reliant but it's not the best thing Okay. Get some help. Mm -hmm. Get some input. Don't stew in your own juices for too long. Love it. Absolutely love it. Thank you so much for that, Anka. So uh, I know that, that the audience uh, is starting to get a flavor of the essence of Anka, and they're going to want more. So can you please let us know how to get in touch with you and anything else you'd like us to know? Well, I'm on LinkedIn. You know, you can put the link in the thing. It's Anka Herman. There's not that many. Uh, you can get a free copy of my book, Taming the Tech Monster. It's not a technical book. It's a storybook that will help you 
you know, take the stress out of the whole tech topic. So you can go to tamingthetechmonster.com and you get your free copy there. And then you're on my email list as well. So you're going to hear a lot more from me. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Anka, thank you so much for not only coming on, for coming into my life, for becoming uh, one of my good friends. And uh, we are we're building something great together. And I, and I admire you for what you're doing. And keep doing, keep doing the good work, okay? Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure. Take care, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and give us a review to help others find it. If you find yourself immersed in adversity and would like to find support from other men in times of struggle, please become a member of my Men Supporting Men Collaboration Tribe by emailing me at drew at profitcompassion.com, expressing your interest, and I'll get in touch with you. Speak to you soon.